Welcome to It's a Nice Place to Brew with Jason and George, a show about all things beer and beer making. Gentlemen, please broadcast responsibly. No, well, and so here's the thing. I, none of this has been proven in a court of law. There's a lot that points to bad practices and everything, but um as with anything, I'm an outsider looking in, and I'm hesitant to say this is the absolute truth. But I've seen it from enough different sources and enough independent sources that I think we can point to the potential facts on it. Agreed. Agreed. So with that, welcome to A Nice Place to Brew. I'm Jason. And I'm George. And I'm particularly happy that we're not sharing our last names, considering the subject that we're going to be talking about in today's episode. <laughs> Because that's impossible to find. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's not the biggest secret on the internet, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, we have a controversial topic to cover today. We are going to talk about the recent events that have affected Founders Brewing Company. A, um, a very... Um, influential. A very, a very influential and prominent brewery here in the Midwest, located in Grand Rapids, Michigan. The time of this recording is at the end of October of 2019. Uh, this will upload probably in early November. Um, this story has played out pretty significantly in the last week and a half, which led up to this recording. So with that being said, George, do you want to give a brief rundown on how this whole thing came about? Yeah, this is about a year in the, well, I mean, for members you know a part of it that have been a part of it it's been longer than that but as far as the what's been exposed it's been about a year in the making um founders for those of you that don't know is currently being sued uh because of racial bias bias and um straight up discrimination going on uh inside of their organization um this is centered around a particular individual his name is tracy evans and um he was fired from founders and in october of 2018 initiated legal proceedings against them uh claiming racist action and um basically founders being the worst when it comes to racial uh issues um Again, as I said at the top of the the hour, these are these are these are claims. They seem to be substantiated. I am not intimately involved with it, so I have no reason to confirm or deny. But it, at the at the end of the day, looking at the number of independent sources that point to the same thing, it's likely that that this is true. Um, he claims that there were racial uh, actions there, rampant use of the N word. And uh, just less overt things, but a lot of harassing behavior, things like the working printer in the office was called the white guy printer and the non-working or uh, um, less functional printer in the office was referred to as the black guy printer. And it's just things like that, that if even half of it is true, it, it points to a very destructive nature inside of uh, Founders Brewing. So going back to a recent episode of ours, uh, episode 36, we did talk about 
some of the social issues that have affected the craft beer industry. And this topic today is a natural step in that uh, step in a similar direction. Um, mm-hmm. We did not discuss the topic of employee relations and equal opportunity employment during that episode. But the common theme is these social dynamics that have relevance across not only the business world, but in every aspect of our lives. Yeah, for sure. And and, uh, and I'm going to start this off, too, by saying that in my mind, beer is not political. And I don't say that to say shame on everybody for turning this situation into a political situation. This is absolutely a political situation. Mm-hmm. I say that to say shame on founders for doing this again even if it's his claim is half true shame on founders for doing this and making beer political and because it is a it is a hobby it is a business it is a uh, a fandom if you will and it is a uh, aspect of a beer enthusiast life that is intended to have positive effects obviously you can abuse it and it can turn negative but for the most part for a beer enthusiast is meant to have positive effects and when we see situations like this i don't know about you jason but i take this extremely personally because i don't want this kind of mentality in my hobby i don't want this kind of mentality in my in something i am enthusiastic about i don't want to constantly have to think is the beer i'm drinking from a racist company that's not what I want on my mind when I'm drinking beer. I agree with the point you made about not wanting to think about these things when you're, when you're drinking craft craft beer and partaking in the craft beer culture. Yeah. Um, and we're getting into the weeds already and I'd like to take a couple of steps back. Okay. Um, yeah. And <laughs> this is going to be the worst segue of all time. But uh, before we get further into this topic i do want to give out our web links uh you can check us out at www.aniceplacetobrew.com we have a twitter page an instagram page and facebook page check us out at either a nice place to brew or at nice place to brew we have pictures we have tweets we have a social media page we have a um uh, we have a website which george put a lot of work into and designed check us out make contact this is a topic, uh, this is an episode that I think is going to make some noise. So that's, yeah. how, that's how to reach us. And this is, uh, this is not a topic that we're shying away from. So whatever you no. have to say about, about this story and what you have to, uh, or what you think about what George or I say on this, we're all ears. Um, yeah. I can say right now that George and I are going to have some differing opinions. And like I said, this is going to be, there's, oh. there's some meat on this story. And I think, uh, I think we're in for an interesting one. So, well, and as, well, and if, if, uh, I also want to say, as we said before, we don't script our shows. Um, and, and I think that's pretty obvious. Yeah, no, <laughs> for sure. It's episode I mean, 39. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, we absolutely, if, you, if you've stuck around this long, but if this is your first episode, we don't script our shows. We, we usually talk about topics, but we don't, you know, say, here's my points, here's my points, you know. Um, I shot Jason my, you know, kind of outline on this prior to the episode because I wanted him to have an idea of where I was going, but, you know, we don't, 
we don't uh you know so so occasionally we do butt heads occasionally we do not agree on some of these things and uh it's something that we need to you know that that you guys get to experience firsthand right along with us uh but you know uh usually everything turns out okay exactly so before we before we delve further into our opinions on the matter and George already scratched the surface of some of his initial thoughts. I think it's important that we lay out as many of the facts as we can before we dig further in. Sure. So we covered the. So just to kind of go over what we've what we've uh, covered so far, and then building on that, there was an employee termination lawsuit, um, which just came to light, or at least in the mainstream media. Over the last week and a half, the the date of the initial press release was Monday, October 21st. That's when this hit the headlines. It's important to mention at this point, that is not when the lawsuit happened. This story has been going on for a year already. That's Mm -hmm. when the that's when the initial lawsuit was filed. And I think that's important for everybody to kind of digest as we talk about this. This is not something that just came to the surface. This this was a non-story for a year until one thing happened a week and a half ago. What changed yeah. is there was a deposition, there was a sorry, there was a transcript of a deposition that was released to the media. And that's what started this whole um started this whole social media and mass media firestorm that founders has found themselves in. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it has been, and I was shocked when I found out that this had been going on since October of 2019 and really hadn't made any kind of a, 18, a splash. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Did I say 19 yeah. October, uh, 2018 and which sounds way more impressive and is, <laughs> uh, and, it, you know, I, I, that this had just recently come to the fore as a uh, as a topic, but man, the reason why is is a bit impressive. Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, do do we want to go into that? Well, here here's some more facts. So, okay, as I mentioned, the story initially came out on Monday, October twenty first. Um, with the transcript. So that's that's the starting point. Founders did not issue a public response until Friday, October 25th. So they went effectively an entire work week with this entire story on the front page of the craft beer world. And for that entire week, founders stayed silent. That's an important point, and we're gonna we're gonna continue going back to that. That's that's very relevant. Um, in founders' response, what they did uh, was a couple of things. Number one, they canceled a scheduled um, CBS beer release at their Detroit tap room. Uh, founders has two different tap rooms: one of them in Detroit, and then at their main location in Grand Rapids. The um, Detroit location is a secondary location. Secondly, that same Detroit location is closed indefinitely, and founders made that decision in line with the story being released. Mm -hmm. Um, They are keeping all of their employees on full pay during this closure, which is a pretty clear indication that the company 
intends to reopen fairly quickly. This You certainly wouldn't take that course of action if you plan this site to be closed long term. You would click, quickly run out of money, end up closing up shop because you have no more money. So that's that's at least my my interpretation of that. Um, whether or not what how you feel about that course of action they took. You well, know, okay. Sure, before I say that, they so and they, I guess the last point is, and George, you can probably color this in better than I did. Mm-hmm. They did release a statement, um, which may or may not have stirred the pot a little bit more. Do you want to cover just what their their words were? Exactly, because the statement is directly related to what happened during the deposition. So depositions don't receive a full uh, transcript uh, you know, that relates to the public, like, uh, you know, court proceedings typically do. Depositions are a little bit more informal. And so what was released to the public uh, via the transcript was released by Evan's legal team, uh, once again, he was the team member that was fired and it was, so it's, it's, it's a little bit, you know, they, uh, should they have done that? Yeah. Legally questionable a little bit. Um, but yeah. what happened during the deposition is what kind of kicked all of this off. So he, uh, filed the lawsuit citing racial issues and, and, and say, claiming that he was fired for, uh, you know, it, uh, under false pretenses and, and, and racially motivated issues. And that's why he filed, filed the lawsuit. Uh, founders claimed he was fired because he failed to complete a project. But he said there was a he he documented a history of having to work harder than his white counterparts um, in the company. And so he's saying that regardless, regardless of that project, it still is not right that he was fired from his position so during the deposition his legal team um was talking speaking towards the racial issues with uh with founders with what with their managers named dominic ryan and talking about evans and at one point alluded to the fact that evans was a black man and Dominic said that he did not know that Evans was a black man, even though he was friends with him prior to his employment, had seen him multiple times and things like that. Um, And this took the legal counsel back a bit and uh, he was surprised by that response. And so eventually, you know, through a line of questioning, came up and said, hey, you know, what about Barack Obama, Michael Jordan, or uh, Kwame uh, Kilpatrick, who is the mayor of Detroit, also a black man. And under oath, Dominic Ryan said he could not confirm that any of those people were black because he had never met them. And this got released to the public, and a lot of people were like, really that was your response you know you you couldn't you you don't know that these people are are black black guys or or as some people call it people of color and were you know also taken aback and in true social media fashion kind of were like all right well i guess that's the end of founders and kind of blew the situation up and they're in their response to the public 
he basically said that because he was under oath, he had to speak in a purely technical manner and could not confirm that he that they were black because he did not know their heritage. He did not know their genetics to be able to confirm 100% that they were um, black, African-American, what have you. And that that uh, kind of instead of quelling the the issue kind of fed the flames because a lot of people were seeing that as a way of dodging the situation and honestly digging the hole deeper of the company is racially insensitive uh this ma- this manager brewery manager in particular and um and that they are out to protect themselves and not to have a good relationship with the community. I believe that fact has drawn the most emotional of responses from the overall public um, for obvious reasons. You know, it's, I I agree. I agree with your points completely when you say that is a very carefully crafted legal type response. Absolutely. Where yeah. where you get asked uh, a question that relates to a series of facts that many times on a legal basis you can fall back and say, I don't know all those facts, so I can't speak to them. Right. And that's not being it, it, it can't it, it can't be it can't be framed as a lie. From no, a legal yeah. Perspective. Well, there's no no perjury involved per se. Per, that's the word I was looking for. Thank okay, you. Yeah, that's, that's there's not no, a per, perjury statement. And from a purely legal perspective, is it a smart move? Maybe. Mm-hmm. But from a public relations, from a community relations, from a public perception point of view, not at all. No, exactly. On the topic of public relations, that has a relevant point in this story as well. Mm-hmm. Um. Founders had on staff a person who had the job title of diversity and inclusion director mm-hmm. named Gracie Harkamon. So a little bit of background on Tracy. I'm Gracie. sorry, I, I, Gracie. I, I'm sorry, I misspoke. Gracie Harkamon. Gracie Harkamon joined Founders in January of 2019. So looking back at the timetable, the uh, the employment lawsuit started in October of 2018. Gracie Harkema joined Founders in January of 2019. Mm-hmm. And Founders later went on record to say that this employment lawsuit had accelerated their plans to bring somebody on to fulfill this type of role. Now, as many people know, the craft beer industry in the past has been has come under scrutiny for a lack of diversity. And there's a lot to be said about that, about where the craft industry has gone wrong and where it's just simply the nature of the industry itself. There's, again, there's a lot to be said about that. I'm not I'm not saying one side is right or wrong, but that's well, we did. that's an that's an open that's an open conversation that we've that we've covered to a degree in the past. Yeah, we 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 de- devoted a whole show to it and mm-hmm. kind of gave some of our thoughts, some of our initial thoughts on it as well. Yeah, exactly. So founders saw this early on, and it and it came into their plans that in time they wanted to f- uh, fill this position and hopefully 
handle this type of need in the industry more effectively than they had in the past. And the fact that they had what they knew was going to be a controversial lawsuit on their hands accelerated those plans. Do you call that kind of a quote-unquote corporate move? Maybe. Is it a logical move? Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I don't fault founders for, for doing that. So fast forward to the end. Gracie Harkema resigned her position a couple of days ago from founders in line with the events that had taken place. She also made public virtually all of her opinions on the subject in broadcasting to social media her resignation letter. And George, I believe you have some notes on that as well. Yeah, I do. Um, and she she quit say, claiming the company's only motive was to win the case. Uh, one of her quotes that she came out along with it was, in every conversation, now these are her words, in every conversation and with every action, you've been most concerned with winning the lawsuit. Obviously, this is directed towards founders. Uh, you are most concerned with the ego of winning than you are, I'm sorry, you are, uh, well, I think that's supposed to be more concerned, but it's, it says you are most concerned with the ego of winning than you are about the loss of customers, loss of reputation, and loss of employees' well-being. And that kind of speaks to some of the, you know, some of the perception from the outside being, uh, it seems like it's being um, substa substantiated by people from the inside as well. Because what people from the outside are seeing and what people have been saying for a little while is that founders a couple years ago their motivation turned from brewing and culture to how do we make more money and it seems like that it has you know been the the driving action as you can see in her statement it's all about winning the lawsuit it's all about winning and they don't and and she says they you don't care about the loss of customers loss of reputation or loss of employees these from the outside appear to be the actions of a company that will do whatever they need to to make sure they can still make money. It also goes on to talk about the things that she had done in her position uh, during her tenure in Founders, and I think that's important as well And because it, it goes beyond just this case. Um, Gracie Harkema was not hired to basically put out the fire that was this, this lawsuit. Um, Lending to that is the fact that this was a non-news story. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I really don't believe that that was the motive uh, behind her hiring originally from founders. Although I know it's been portrayed in the media that way. Yeah, and I think that's um, probably unfair, some more, if I'm honest, if I'm truly I honest about I, it. Okay, okay, that's fair. Um, in lending to that, uh, there was a, I found an article that talked about the things that she had accomplished during her tenure at Founders. Um just to list off a couple things, um, Harkama created fo focus groups with women, minorities, LGBTQ individuals to find ways that the brewery could change. She also instituted mandatory uh, DE&I uh, and unconscious bias training to the company's 600 employees. So these are all things that go way beyond mm -hmm. just putting out the fire that is a lawsuit. And, and and it's a pretty impressive track record for somebody who was in their position for less than a year. Yeah, no, I agreed. She did, she got a lot done. And yeah. I you know, I think she did what she could with the tools that she had and and I you know, I definitely I you know, if it had an impact on it, great. 
you know, and, and I truly hope it did. Um, but, you know, so it, again, it was not just a publicity stunt hiring her and having this position. I, I think it probably was in their, in their roadmap to hire this, uh, uh, this type of position. Um, I think that once the lawsuit came along, it definitely did, you know, sped speed things up. up. Sped yeah, things up, all. absolutely. And, and they probably saw it being potentially advantageous towards the, uh, towards the lawsuit. Exactly. Um, yeah, so I, I think that's maybe part of the motivation there. But, you know, it's not, it's not a bad thing to have. Get, you know, it goes back to what we had talked about before, is get those other opinions in there, get those other voices in there to figure out is there things that can be done to open yourselves up to new markets to um, you know bring other people I- into the door and and understand y- your company your product and everything like that that's it's never a bad thing to do and uh, so it, that's my long-winded way of saying this absolutely was not just a publicity stunt um, agreed but her resigning over the weekend, I think speaks a lot of volumes as well. I do want to come back to that point, but before we do, let's talk about the fallout that Founders has experienced in line with this. Sure. And it's very significant. Mm -hmm. I'm number one. Founders is like public enemy number one in the craft brewery world right now. Right. The amount of mass media attention this has gotten has been significant. The amount of social media attention that this has received is even more. There's also interruptions to their distribution after this story has broken. There's been multiple bars and other serving places throughout the Midwest that have come out and, and said, once we run out of our current batch of founders, we will not be reordering. So founders was, has already taken a hit on their on their financials because this whole thing came about. There was actually one that, in line with that, decided to accelerate that they were going to give away their founders beer and then not yeah, order there you anymore. Go. Yeah. So they, they did not charge their customers for it. They didn't feel right making money from that product is what they said. In addition, the CBS release was canceled and that's actually, that's a bigger deal than, than people think. I mean, C- CBS is a beer that has a cult following mm-hmm. and it's a beer that's not released every year. M- many, Many trademark barrel-aged beers are released on an annual basis, Bourbon County being one of them. CBS has, has been known to skip one or even a couple of different years and not be released. Founders has already talked about that CBS will not be released in the foreseeable future beyond this this winter season. Uh, Jason, do you want to give uh, um, extend the abbreviation there for people that aren't from the Midwest? Oh, <laughs> thank you for pointing that out. No. Canadian Breakfast Stout. There you go. Yeah. So Breakfast Stout is one of Founders' uh, mass-marketed products. They do uh, specific barrel-aged versions, one of which is uh, Canadian Breakfast Stout, which is made with maple syrup and aged in a bourbon barrel. Uh, the other variant of that is called KBS, uh, Kentucky Bourbon Stout. It's the it's it's the regular breakfast stout aged in a barrel. Um, both of them are iconic barrel aged beers made here in the here in the Midwest. They're very sought after, and for good reason. I got I got to tell you, KBS was early on. KBS was one of my early discovered uh, barrel aged stouts, and 
one that really turned my attention towards towards them. <laughs> well, this goes back to the whole com- conversation we had yeah, about the Girls. <laughs> I'm painting myself I, I, into a I, weird corner on that because, yes, we're on the same page about how we feel about, about barrel-aged beers. Um, I will say, though, in, that I, I, I still, I'll still back up the statements that I made on that episode, but if you're looking for a standout barrel-aged stout, KBS is absolutely one of them. If, if you're into that kind of thing, <laughs> I know. Damn, it, I'm it, standing on my own here. Wow. No, you really are, and I'm sorry about <laughs> okay. that. It just even even the CBS with the the sweetness added by the the maple syrup. I just I can't get behind it, and 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 it's been one of those things. It's like uh, them and I think Three Floyds that does the Dark Lord, um, right? Are are huge, massive deals in the Midwest. And to be perfectly honest, I thought both beer breweries for a long time i think they're overrated i i think that people really like the buzz and the drama and the and the intrigue and the and the limited time release and stuff like that and that's really what brings people to it more than the beer being good you know um but that's maybe that's maybe that's just me that i i don't i i when i don't like bourbon barrel releases which i think both of those things are and and two i just i don't buy into the whole well, this is a limited release, so you got to have it kind of thing. I just, I, I don't, doesn't, doesn't flip my switch that way. I agree. Yeah. There's definitely a social event aspect to those beers that we just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, but that's neither here nor there, you know. True. Yeah. So what about, did I miss anything? In what other ways do you feel that Founders has suffered in, you know, in line with this story coming out? No, you pretty much hit it. It's been the social media backlash, the the distributors and bars um, not having their and not wa- willing to take on more product, and it's been um, a, uh, social media distributors and uh, they had to pull out of a rather large Detroit beer festival over some racial tensions this oh, year as well. Oh, that's right. And yeah. I think that, you know, basically it's been one of those things that, and, and I saw one person say, and, and I think this is very true, is this has been a wake-up call for the craft beer industry because this is one of the largest craft breweries in the country. And uh, unless you're talking about the huge top dogs, but, you know, of the of the um, standard craft beer companies. And he said, I don't think that Founders is going to go out of business, which I think is true. I think they're going to survive this. But it's a stark reminder to the craft beer industry that as a you know as of this year no brewery is indispensable you know it's not a situation where they're essentially the craft beer version of too big to fail you know it is there's uh, there's so many options out there and so many good craft breweries out there now that if one steps too far wrong or slips in quality, or or does anything like that. That there's a, there's other options people will go to. That's absolutely true. One thing that we shouldn't forget about too is Founders Brewing has a parent company, and just in August of this year, they sold a majority stake of the company to a company in Spain, uh, Mahu San Miguel Group. Oh yeah, they're holding they a ninety percent yeah. share in in Founders now. Certainly, the perceived value of founders has taken a major hit in line with this story coming out. I wonder to what degree 
or, or I shouldn't say to what degree, because Maho San Miguel certainly knew about this lawsuit prior to acquiring founders. If they didn't, they're I, M&A I wonder guy. if they just didn't <laughs> think all this all this dirt would come out in the in the way that it did. Because certainly, this this is looking like the worst investment of all time now. Agreed, and I think up until recently, with with this deposition, which I'm surprised took this long to to actually happen. Um, yeah. But until recently, with this deposition, it's one of those things that. Yeah, it's going to be a bump in the road, but people are going to get over it. Only a, a, a niche few are going to know about it unless they lose the lawsuit and really have an issue that way. Until that deposition happened where the guy basically went to the old I'm colorblind tropes that a lot of people see as essentially racist at this point, that it blew up. So at the time when they purchased them, I don't think it really was that bad of a uh, a decision. Now, are they smacking their heads now? Probably. But, you know, at the time, I don't think it was that bad of a decision. So I think we've laid the facts out pretty extensively here. Mm-hmm. Am I wrong? Did we miss anything? Well, the only thing that was missed was one thing that people have pointed out in Founders Past is they had an incident, I believe it was back in 2017, maybe early 2018, where a candidate named Bill Shute was going to, uh, was uh, up for election in Grand Rapids. And the, and the Grand Rapids um, Chamber of Commerce was supporting him. And Bill is a openly um, homophobic person. And that was basically part of his platform, <laughs> uh, more or less. Do you know less. offhand in what ways that came out I, about him being openly homophobic? I did read about that, but I don't remember it off the top of my head, I'm afraid. Okay. Um. Let's see. He's a gubernatorial candidate who was a noted homophobe. And no, I'm sorry, I don't I don't have that, but it's 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 kind of a well known thing in the Grand Rapids area, apparently. Okay. Uh, and so in a tweet, they said, we stand with the LGBT community and ask the uh, Grand Rapids Chamber to reverse their decision in uh in supporting him later on they got um pushback of people saying they were going to boycott them if they you know pulled out if they didn't have the if they didn't back the grand rapids chamber of commerce and and this candidate and so they came back later and said that the tweet was done by a rogue employee and announced via twitter that beer is nonpartisan. Uh, we love our employees' passion for equality in beer. It reflects in, in what we strive for as a company. We're into beer, not political endorsements. We will remain in the Grand Rapids Chamber and support equality in our business and community. So basically, they took a stand and said, we're going to pull out of the chamber because you're supporting this candidate. And then the way they tried to back out of that was they basically said, Look, we're going to stay out of this. We're going to stay in the Chamber of Commerce, but we're going to go a different direction inside of our company. And it's another one of those things that kind of is a double-edged sword because on one hand, 
it kind of goes back to what I said. Beer should be non-political. But when you take right. a stand, when you take a stand like that, though, reversing that reads as you're taking a stand in the opposite direction, which is how a lot of people took that. Does that make sense? It does. I, I'm I'm still kind of digesting that. I don't disagree with that statement that they closed out with. And I don't either. I just think in 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 and if that was their first statement, I think it could right, be taken by itself. Right. Yeah, that's the part that I'm still digesting is how do I how do I see those side by side and balance those out? Maybe what they said was true. Maybe that that first statement was one made by a rogue employee and it did not reflect the values of the organization. Could that be. stuff happens. You know, I, I it's get rare, that companies but it sometimes does. backtrack on that kind of stuff and yeah. fall back on statements that may or may not have, have substance in in times like that. Is it always true? Certainly not. Is it always not true? I don't think that's quite a fair statement to make. No, I agree. I don't, and I like don't know I said, what else to say about that. I'm with you. And I, like I said, at the top of it, it's, you know, I'm not inside of founders. I'm not directly connected to it. I don't know their social media people. I don't know if that what that whole statement is true. And it was some employee that went rogue and said, we're, and made a statement that they were not authorized to make. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm just pointing this out as a fact that happened back prior to this lawsuit that kind of begins to kind of paint a bit of a picture, especially in light of the lawsuit itself, that is uh, a little bit of a, I don't want to say damning, but not great image for founders. True. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, that's basically it. You know, you have a guy that did a that, uh, that brought a lawsuit for wrongful termination based on uh, racial racial bias and prejudice, and then you have, you know, <laughs> almost a year later, a deposition where the brewer, brewing manager at Founders um, made some crazy statements. Um, and kind of blew this up into the mainstream. And then you have, um, you know, over the weekend, their diversity and inclusion manager putting in her uh, resignation, saying that there was, that the culture around this has been, how do we win this case uh, with little regard to how do we make the situation better? Um, so it, it does kind of paint a picture of, how do we get past this? How do we, how do we, you know, get people to f forget about this so we can go on and and have our our business, you know? And and, and I'm not saying that, and I, I don't want to. Um, do, do you see where I'm going with this? Can you help me out with some of the phrasing? Because I'm I'm not quite there. <laughs> I think we're kind of paving tell. the road towards kind of getting into the meat here and yeah. into kind of like kind of our thoughts on this. So yeah, no, just absolutely. Fi just fire, just fire away. I, mean, just fi I think, I think we've framed this perfectly. We've, I mean, I, with all the facts we've laid out since we, you know, since we started rolling. So, um, and I think, I think what we've said so far, I mean, it has been both accurate, non-biased. And I mean, fact is that you and I are very close to the, 
craft brewing world and home brewers as well. So, yeah. you know, I, I so, think... Uh, let, let me wear my heart on my sleeve for a second. Um, sure. I, I have some bias in this in that I, one, don't want beer to be political. So I want craft beer companies to act right towards their employees and towards their community so people can focus on are you making a good product and are, do you have a welcoming atmosphere inside of your company as far as i'm concerned that's the two most important things that is your objectives as a beer company make good stuff make people want to be there and in the other part of it too is i i i, I am i am a I'm a white guy in the rural part of Virginia and I'll tell you right now I take the you know if if like I said if half of what this is true I do not agree with anything that founders has done and I and I think it's reprehensible behavior so I will wear that on my sleeve that this it, it, it like I said if half of what Tracy's allegation is true Founders, you done fucked up. And I think what could have been a situation that they could have been honest about, they could have, you know, bared their, you know, fallen on their sword and bared their soul to people and said, this is what happened. We're learning from it. We're getting better. Help us to do that, you know, kind of thing. And instead, the reaction that they have with their recent press release, with their past actions, and you know, based on the um, testimony of Gracie uh, Harkema, seems to be the opposite. That they're just taking that corporate mentality of how do we make this go away with as least effort as possible, and how do we not admit wrong in this at all? And as a craft beer enthusiast i find that um let me ask you a question i i i think i let me just i i find that uh, you know distasteful in, in uh for a company to to take that aspect and okay. that might be where we differ okay all right so my question is this do you do you agree with the concept of leading with your worst foot forward when it comes to yeah, public do, relations do you mean to Yes. Oh, absolutely, I do. Yeah. You do. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. It, 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 in, in, and leading with your worst foot forward is basically when you have an issue like this, you air your laundry and you say, this is, this is what happened. Here's the, the worst thing that, that we have to, you know, to offer. You can't find worse than this and we want to get better and it gives you it, it allows you to hit that rock bottom and go up and there it there is an entire school of crisis management inside of public relations because you know I, I don't know if you remember this and for other people out there my actual my bachelor's degree is in public relations and i did a lot with crisis management in that and so i absolutely uh, agree with the attitude of hit that rock bottom, do that quickly and find a way to come back from that and, and engage with the community and, and let them help you move forward. And that is, that's a proven philosophy and something that works extremely well in public relations and crisis management. 
that's something that I would like to know more about. I do not have a public relations background. I'm familiar with the concept to the extent that it's come up in similar situations that have come up. Mm-hmm. And I, I hate I hate drawing a parallel with this, but that same topic has come up in relation to the Catholic Church in relation to its very public um, sexual misconduct. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Crisis that seemingly has no end. And I'm at a bit of a crossroads with that one. I, I, I struggle with that one on the basis of the Catholic Church, and it also, I'm struggling with it in this case as well. Well, let's because, use that as a let's use that as a brief case study for a second. So uh-huh. the the Catholic Church's perceived response to the scandals that they had regarding the priests and pedophilia and things and, and mistreatment has been to bury it, move the priests around and not really and acknowledge it to a point but not really acknowledge the extent of the issue. And so what that's done is that has fostered a sense of distrust in the community towards the Catholic Church and has painted them in a negative light of they're not telling us everything. So if they're not Mm -hmm. telling us everything, there's something darker going on. You know, you're allowing people's imagination to run wild with it. And it, and what is in their head, I guarantee you, and this is why you lead with the be- with your worst foot forward, what is going on in their head, I guarantee you, in a lot of cases, is way worse than the reality. And Here's the problem. Okay, I'm going to cut you off. Okay, Here's the ahead. problem I have with that. Mm-hmm. What bothers me about that concept in that example is all the great things about the church that have been lost because of that. Exactly. Because the only thing in the eyes of the public, as far as the Catholic Church right now, is that scandal. Right. And so we're on the same page. All the things that the church does for charity, for education, for all the things that they they do worldwide. The, The church has a following that is in the billions. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of the widest, the most widely practiced faiths in the world and has, and despite its imperfections, has really enriched the lives of a countless number of people. Yeah, and and, and believe me, I'm not here to attack the, the Catholic Church or anything like that. No, I, I get uh, and, that. And, and, I get and, that. My, and, my point is, so, the problem and, with leading with your worst foot forward is all the good things that you have to offer end up disappearing. And no, that's what, no, no, that's no, no, what's no, 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 I'm sorry, sorry. No, 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 that's, that's where people get this wrong, is the point of leading with the worst foot forward is not saying, here's all my dirty laundry, now I'm going to stop talking. It's here's the worst that I have to offer. So help me clear the decks of that so we can do what we want, what we are able to do that is beneficial. So if the Catholic church came out and said, okay, this priest, this priest, this priest, this priest, this priest had issues and here's the actions we're taking and we want community oversight and we want to help. We, we want you to help us get a, get control over this. All of a sudden that story becomes a non-issue and people can then focus on, okay, they handled that really well. So what else are they doing well? 
And I, so that's where people look in, in crisis management philosophy, they look at it and they say the Catholic Church went wrong because in allowing people to spin over what else is wrong, it detracts from the amount of time they can think about the positive natures of it. And that's that's true about any situation. So if, the, if founders had come out and said, yup, here's how we fucked up help us to move past that. And we're going to show you guys that we're uh, the initiatives we're doing. We're going to show you how we're improving as a company. We're going to be an open book for you guys. Come in and talk to our employees, come in and, and we're going to give you guys reports on what we're doing and things like that. All of a sudden it changes the story from founders is a racist company to founders was a racist company. And here's how they're looking to get better. And, and, and so it's, it's not that, you know, leading with the, your, do, do you see what I'm saying there? That, that, that I, leading I with your worst foot forward is not a, a single statement. It's a progression. You're, you're, pre you're presenting a very convincing argument and you're, you're, you're pushing me, you're pushing me more in the direction of, of where you're going on this. So no, you've, you've said that extremely well. Well, thank you. <laughs> but <laughs> so I, I so again yeah. this is not my wheelhouse public relations and you, you actually have a much richer background on this than i knew about yeah no I, um, yeah i'm not sure if we ever talked about that before but yes i, I spent a lot of time doing that communications degrees yeah. are not worthless <laughs> <laughs> okay all right so we did a deep dive on the Catholic Church and that of course was not scripted and if you don't if you need any more evidence that this is not scripted <laughs> you just listen to the last 10 minutes yeah even in my notes the words Catholic Church are nowhere to be found <laughs> no no <laughs> oh man okay but All no right. I, you so know, it, but that's why I take this stuff so so personally not not because not only because I think it's reprehensible behavior but also Knowing how they could have done it so much better, their response to it has been atrocious. And so it it offends me on a personal on an on a <laughs> on an academic level and in just and, and and honestly, even though I'm not um right now in in you know a professional brewer, it kind of offends me on a prof semi-professional level because I am in this industry as well. And I, I, I am a, I am a home brewer. I am a commentator as you guys are experiencing right now. And in the future, in, in, in one path in my life, I hope to be a professional brewer at some point. And this is, I, 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 I want this industry to remain as nonpartisan and as, as open and accepting of everybody as it can be. So if and when I engage with it in the future on a professional level, it's there, it's open, and we can uh, um, we can have a clear footing for that. I think the only remaining question is, how do you get there? I don't think anybody out there would disagree with the idea of greater diversity it's a good thing on every level and, and mm -hmm. it's it i mean it's virtually impossible to you contradict that so 
it kind of goes back to our earlier conversation. And honestly, what they did in hiring the diversity and inclusion director at their size is a great idea because, you know, they were a company that grew up from a small brewery and with uh, a couple of guys from a particular background at the helm of it. So having somebody hired specifically to investigate other backgrounds, other points of view is a great idea. Oh, absolutely. Now, I don't think every brewery of every size can do that. I mean, that's typically that's not a um, cheap position to hire or because, you know, not only do you have the person, but you have the cost of all those focus groups and everything like that. There's there's that's a significant investment. Um, But at some point, I think it's a good one to have. Yeah. Yeah. Especially within an industry that's had its own diversity problems like we've like we've been talking about. Mm hmm. So, so you had have, said, I, I, sorry, go ahead. go ahead. No, I was gonna say you had said that you were, uh, you wanted to circle back to Gracie. Was it about the crisis management thing or was there something else that you wanted to? All right. So there's a number of things that bother me about this, this entire sequence of events okay. and Gracie's actions are one of them. Okay. So, all right, strap in. Okay. Gracie Harkema, the diversity and inclusion director at Founders Brewing, as we talked about what she did over the course of her tenure with with Founders, she joined the company knowing full well about the lawsuit. She, the lawsuit had taken place months before her hiring, so she certainly knew about it. She, I'm sure, had maybe not a role, but at least certainly some influence on on how the company had responded. She openly had expressed frustration with the amount of time that it took for them to respond. And that's a, I think that's a fair argument. I don't know who out there is writing the rules of, you know, what appropriate timetables truly should be. Mm-hmm. Um, if anyone out there thinks that they have that, I'm, I'm all ears, but I think... I think you may be putting a little bit of an unreasonable standard on people slash companies in that example. Just my opinion. Who me? Um, no, I, I'm not saying anybody. Oh, okay. I'm just I'm just saying in general. You you say five days isn't enough. Well, who out there says it needs to be within one business day? It has to what? be within two days. It has to be within a month. Who, Sorry, I mean, who out there is is just putting this standard out there? So and and, I, I, and, and expecting that everyone abides by it. No, hang on, because you're absolutely right. There is no fixed standard of of response and things. I mean, if you have a good response, quicker is always better. That's that's what they teach, and that's absolutely true. Um, right. But where where are you getting this five days thing? Is that something she said? Yes. Well, I mean, because the story the story w- was released to the media on Monday the twenty fifth. Oh, response okay. Came out on Friday. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I screwed up those dates. The story came out on Monday the 21st. Founder's response came out on October 25th. And That's you saw, okay, days. so she was saying, okay, I think honestly from the other things I read about her, that was kind of the straw that broke. You know, and I think that's where where that came from. But, but you're absolutely right. There is no fixed 
statement of how quickly you should respond, um, especially in a social media driven uh, news cycle, though. Right. Faster is better. Right. No, exactly. Yeah. And that lends to lends to what I'm about to say about I, I want to talk about the concept of making your own standards and set of beliefs everybody else's. Okay. And I'm relating that in this example because that also fed to influence Gracie's decision to publish her resignation letter on social media, an act that I think is disgusting. Yeah, let that simmer for a second. Let that simmer, and and I see, but and I and, and a lot of people are going to disagree with that. But I honestly see where you're coming from with that. Parting ways with a company is is by nature a personal and professional thing, and it's right. not and is not something that necessarily should be broadcast. And I think I so I, I I understand where you're coming from on that. Yeah, going down da- dangerous roads here. No, I I get that. No, no, no. I don't think anything we've just, said is is a problem, but I just think no, that, no, like, no, we're, pause. we're not done. We're not done. <laughs> no, no, I know, I know. We're not done. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, w- it, that bothers me on, on many different levels. And mm-hmm. certainly, Gracie is somebody that had the best of intentions for founders. Um, I, I, I cer- It's certainly clear from the way that she talks that she has a very... Um, very established moral compass and i think many of those um moral leanings were very evident in the words that she used when she wrote a resignation letter mm-hmm. but i don't feel that releasing that letter was an act to help the um i don't feel like that lent to anybody's position in line with with this with this entire series of events i there's something i'm trying to say and i'm not i'm not getting there Ugh. well i mean if, if you're worried about being graceful about it just just no, say no, no, it and no, if we no, need no, to i'm not okay. i'm not i know there's somewhere i want to get to and i'm just i'm not finding the road to get there well think about it for a second and let me fill in with this i will say that somebody that takes on the role that get that higher that that wants to look for a job and go in as a diversity and inclusion director, they have their own bias going in. This is this is true uh, about almost a, it's not a neutral. Well, let me go and see how much diversity and inclusion is going on there. There's a certain assumption that's made in that industry that if they need a diversity and inclusion officer, it's because they don't have enough diversity and inclusion. Right. And so I think the other thing that kind of comes from that is is a little bit, uh, and I'm not putting this on Gracie. If you listen to this, I'm not putting this on you. But it, you know, a lot of times what comes in there is a little bit of ego of if you're hiring me, you should kind of take my advice and do what I say in in this in this arena and things, and and that's born out of talking with a number of diversity and inclusion advisors seeing their writing seeing their um their recommendations it's very here's what you need to do it's not here's a suggestion let's talk about it and things it's do this and so there is a certain amount of bias in that in somebody that's going into that position that 
they they need to be listened to. And when they're not, so basically, my my moral compass is your moral compass. Exactly. So and yes. and so yes. when they're not, a lot of times they tend to lash out, and that may exactly. be. And again, I don't know Gracie from from Eve in this case, but in I do, you know that may be what you're seeing a little bit here is they didn't follow her suggestions, and there's a little bit of backlash here. And I'm I am basing that purely on the fact that she did broadcast it, that she right, felt exactly. strongly enough to say, I don't need to just tell founders this; I need to tell the world this. And what effect does that have? Are you helping the cause by doing that? By well, broadcasting to, to social media those depends, very facts? It depends who you ask. In, in some people's minds, yes, you are helping the cause because you're airing this and you're, and you're, and you're uh, exposing the issue and the best disinfectant is sunlight kind of situation. Um, and in some people, it's like, no, you know, give them, you know, their, their internal business is their internal business let them resolve it in a way that they see fit and everyone else will figure out is that did they do the right thing you know later on and and it, so it, there's differing opinions on that right yeah right i just i, I just is that kind of where you were thinking a little it bit was, it, okay. it was it was i just i i feel like I feel like broadcasting that to to a social media audience is was just a very arrogant and narcissistic way of of expressing what those moral beliefs are. Even if it's not in her mind, it, even if that wasn't her motivation, it certainly comes off that way. Yes. yes. So. Yeah, and, and that's where I'm I'm with you that I disagree that I disagree with her action. Um you know, at the same time, it is a bit of insight into it is a bit of extra insight from an insider into the company. So as somebody that's trying to commentate on it, I kind of appreciate that, but only in a very self-serving way of it gives me more information. Um, Agreed. But, you know, as an outsider, just purely as an outsider. Yeah, it's probably not the coolest thing to do. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, you, you helped me get to where I wanted to go. <laughs> okay, no you, problem. You really did. Yeah. Let's um let's uh let's go into a diff- different area. Th- this mm-hmm. was one of my notes and, and I and I don't want to leave this episode without talking about this. I did see a press release uh with an interview with Tracy where he talked a little bit about his experience and how he feels about everything that's that's unfolded. Mhm. What I will say is Tracy comes off as very credible, very credible and very articulate. Yes, he does. And I, and I saw him and some another thought that came to my mind was, man, I would have a beer with this guy any night of the week. Yeah, for I mean, sure. Seemed like a super cool, just good, good guy. And and I guess going further further with that, without knowing what really happened that led led up to his termination, I looked at him and said, "This really makes. I mean, whatever the real story is behind this, it makes me really sad. Mm. Like I, I really don't want to believe that this guy, who seems like a really good guy, went through all this. I think he'll land on his feet." 
Um, especially in light of this, uh, you know, and if he ends up getting fired from another brewery, then, you know, cause there are really good guys that are just shite employees and you know, that, that, but I, I got the same vibe that you did. And yeah. I think part of that might be that founders, especially in the media and in social media is painted as the bad guy. And by default, that makes him the good guy. Yeah. And it inherently makes him a little bit more likable, but his responses, right. even towards founders, were very measured, very cordial, and not not hateful in that respect. Like he wasn't out for blood. Right. Um, and I, you know, I found I found that respectable, and and he seemed like, like I said, like a pretty stand up guy. Agreed. Yeah. So, so where does founders go from here? <laughs> if, if if it were me. I would, I would. Are you interested in, f- in filling the diversity and inclusion director's position that is now vacant? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> um, no, but if they need a crisis PR do- consultant, <laughs> I, I, I'm here. Um, because there is a way to. You may, you may get a call. <laughs> there would is- be the weirdest thing that's ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> there is a way to recover from this, but it is going to take a mentality shift. It is going to take a. It's going to take a, a significant investment on their part. And it is going to take a lot of uh, community outreach to recover from this um i think that even if they don't do that founders this time next year will still exist as a company will it exist as as a successful as successful of a company as they are as they were last year this time i don't know you know i mean there's a chance that this could this could blow over this lawsuit could get resolved no other big blow-ups happen and in two, three years' time, people forget what happened. You made the point earlier on about how competitive craft beer is. Mm-hmm. There's new breweries popping up very All frequently. The time. Yes, exactly. So this is a bad industry for this to happen in. Yes. Because the fact is that craft breweries are replaceable on the shelf. Absolutely. And in the taps at the bars. So, I mean, how many Kentucky I, bourbon stouts are there out there in the world? KBS well, isn't this, isn't the most special thing in the world. It's not the most. It's not the only bourbon barrel aged stout by any stretch. Right, You're definitely right about that. I agree with your take very much. Um, I, I would lean towards the. Um, I would lean towards things going unfavorably for them over the next year. Yeah, what that means remains to be seen five years be in business i agree will they be as prominent probably not here's another thing we've we talked about this on an earlier show too 60 percent of founders production is the all-day ipa Mm -hmm. how many session ipas are out there on the market even well yeah yeah even more that's that's even easier to replace than kbs for sure now and this is gonna and, and this is gonna be interesting because how many people out there legitimately realize that all day ipa is a founder's beer or do they say see all day ipa they see that green box on the six pack and they go <laughs> "Ooh, i know this and they pick it up so if they're gonna take a hit it's gonna be because public relations affects the distributors and it gets pulled from the shelves I think if all day IPA remains on the shelf 
and it just remains there as all day IPA, they're going to be okay. Does that make sense? I, w- I wish I had an all day IPA can nearby. I can't remember how prominent the founder's name is on that can. Because I, I think that has some relevance. It does. On the six pack, it I, it is there, but it's, you know, it's logo sized. It's not huge. It's not like founders, you know, all day IPA. All right. No, it's so, the other so way it's around. It's all day IPA top or... founders. Yeah, it's just yeah. a little logo okay. on there. Okay. So it's easy to miss, you know, and okay. and that could work to their advantage in this. Um, it, yeah, it would. Yeah. That's, I, you know, that's that says so much right there that it would really work in one particular beer's favor if the name of the brewery was less prominent on the product. I think that's true about a lot of that's, that, beers, that to be honest. That volumes, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Just, yeah, just let that simmer for a second. That's, that, that's, that says a lot. That's the power of, of marketing and how you're going to, like Sam Adams has heavily marketed the Sam Adams name. Like Boston Lager, if you're in, especially if you're in the New England area, you say, I want a Boston Lager. You know, or, or something like that. You don't say. You don't even bother with the Sam Adams. In fact, most places you don't even bother with the Boston part. You just say, "I want a lager," and that's what you get. <laughs> you know, it's the same with Pennsylvania. I've never been to Boston before, but that's that's pretty impressive. Same with Pennsylvania. You say, I, "If you just say to a bartender, I want a beer,' chances are good you're going to get a Yingling." You know, uh, um, if they don't ask any follow up questions, which some bars just don't bother. You know, <laughs> so it's it, there's there's there is. Uh, there are breweries that have chosen to really emphasize their brand. And then there's some breweries that have really chosen to emphasize their beers. And that has upsides and downsides. Founders has chosen with the all day IPA to say, this is all day IPA and really push that heavily. And so what that's resulted in is 60% of their stuff is, you know, tied up in all day IPA. Mm-hmm. And I I would guess if you did a poll of a hundred all day IPA drinkers and you said, who made this beer and you didn't, you know, let them see the packaging at all. And just right off the top of your head, you gave them 10 seconds to respond. I would say maybe, maybe 40% of them would immediately say founders. Interesting. I might be wrong about that. Yeah. Maybe they did a focus group on that. I don't know, but they, (laughs) That's that's my thought on that. I guess my parting thought on that point is it's not the only session IPA out there by any means. No. Is it a recognizable can? Yes, it is. But can another can come in and replace it? Oh. To me, I think it'd oh, be yeah. pretty simple. Oh, so. yeah. For sure. What else? What else? What else? What else? Um... I don't know. I mean, I think we've hit this pretty well. Um, I think we have too. I mean, at the end of the day, I think founders could have, in my final thoughts on this, um, founders could have handled this situation a hell of a lot better than they did. Um, going back to the technical tropes in the, in the, in the lawsuit, not a good idea. And, you know, it's even like I said, even if half of it is true, they have work to do on a cultural level inside of that company and they should broadcast that they should 
ask for help, and they should engage with the community to improve their company. I think that is something that would be extremely beneficial for them to do. Um, I don't want to see any company, uh, any craft brewery that you know has the kind of reach they do go out of business uh, for purely political reasons. And I think, I would hope, I'm going to change that statement. I'm going to say I hope that the company, especially at a, at a managerial level, at their core is open and accepting to people and really wants to engage with the community. And if that's true, then guys show it and be open with that and be a, be that company that people want to want to be a part of and want to engage with. And there's ways to do that. Just take care of your, take care of each other. Everyone out there. Be excellent to each other. We're all, you know, we're all in this together. Enjoying craft beer. (laughs) <laughs> Let's welcome everybody with open arms. Yeah. Regardless of what your what your background is, what your what your anything is, you know, everyone everyone is welcome. That should that should be everybody's mentality. You know. So, back in good old 1989. Mhm. One Bill S. Preston Esquire and Ted Theodore Logan said it best when they said, be excellent to each other. (laughs) (laughs) That's not the perfect note to close out on. I don't know what is. (laughs) And yes, I did have to look up. I did have to look up when that movie came out, but I'm okay with that. (laughs) Be excellent to each other. All right. All right. Before we close out, we'll give out our social media links again. Yep. Uh, check out our website at www.aniceplacetobrew.com. On Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at A Nice Place to Brew and Nice Place to Brew. Uh, we're on all the major podcast platforms. Leave us a comment. Send us a message. We've uh, we've gone through a lot on this on this episode, and I'm sure this is going to stir a lot of opinions on a lot of people. And George and I are approaching this as, as we have the other uh, of many other topics. We're not shying away, and we welcome everybody's feedback. So yeah, reach out to us any any way you decide to. Yeah, we're not and, the experts, uh, and we we value your opinion. So please uh, let us know what you think. Absolutely. All right. Let's send this off appropriately. All right. So we raise a glass or a can in my example. Me too. It takes a lot of good beer to make great beer. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.